talk to you about a message that has gripped my soul. It is life direction changing this morning. If the Holy Spirit will let you see this this morning, it can solve a horribly nagging problem that you've had wrestled with for so many years. You can be free this morning. Please give me about 30 minutes of your attention, and may God use it. Father, come now with thy blessed Holy Spirit, because we're no, I'm nothing. Um, help me to be little in my own sight. God forbid I'd ever think anything else. And may you do a mighty work here in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message is Embrace It. What do you do when something comes into your life that devastates you? I hope so far nothing has come into your life that devastates you. But it's not really if, it's more when. Just this week, the youth pastor, his wife, and five-year-old child were killed up north here, the Temple Baptist Church, killed outright. They have a couple other children, older children, I believe in 20s and maybe early, late teens, that now have to deal with their mom and dad being killed the same day. And uh, is that big? That's big, isn't it? What happens when something like that comes into your life? What do you do? Something that takes your breath away when you hear about it. Something that throws you to your knees involuntarily, throws you to your knees in anguish, something that shakes your very foundations of all your confidence, something that overwhelms your persona. What do you do? What do you do? I believe Paul had this happen to him, Paul the Apostle, and God, the Holy Spirit, had it put in the Bible so you and I could overcome and be an overcomer like he was an overcomer. He shares his secret to overcoming the overcoming tragedies in life. Overcoming the overcoming tragedies of life. How to turn horror into honor. How to turn fear into power. How to turn anxiety into confidence. How to turn anger into strength. How to turn disappointment into deep glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. Though I have preached on this passage, and not, uh, this sermon is new to me, but I preached on this passage a few times. Something new came to me a couple weeks ago for, the, for hopefully to share with you this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 10, I'll read. Paul, Paul speaking, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Paul writes about 13 of the 27 New Testament books. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. 
lest I should be exalted above measure. Do you notice he says that twice? Do you know why he says that twice? The worst thing that could happen to the Apostle Paul that he could imagine was not physical. It was not financial. It was being full of pride. Why? He knew that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He knew that anyway, you know, a lot of times we're so upside down. But he cared about it. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And I, I can read it, but it's amazing. Most gladly, therefore will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, and the next three words are hard to say even, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. My brother Louis had two daughters. I am the baby of the family. My brother Louis is five years older than I am. Brother Jim's ten. Louis had two daughters. Julie is oldest. Nikki's youngest. Nikki married and had two children. Her first child was uh, normal as any other child. Her second child was autistic. Seriously, autistic. And uh, his name, for your sake, is Jackson. This contributed, this is her words to me, this contributed to her husband divorcing her because he simply did not want to be married in a situation where a child consumed them. Now, and for a long time, Nikki has been, Nikki's probably Troy's age, 48, 50, Troy. I'm just kidding. Troy's 48, 47, I don't know what he is. I know Andrea's much older than he is, but nevertheless, <laughs> she's not, she's not. But now Nikki's been a single mom trying to make it on her own. Now you, anybody that's ever been around, know single moms have a hard time. To make it on your own as a single mom, you've got to have some profession. You, you, you don't work in Walmart and make it. You don't work in Kmart. You don't work, you've got to have some special profession that they'll pay you enough to live on your own. Uh, she was a, an assistant in a heart bypass surgical team. She a highly paid woman. And uh, she had to give that job up because nobody would be willing to take care of an autistic child. I mean, come on. They're 24-7. I mean, they, you got, they're all over it. You got to be all over it. She had to give her job up. Um, Jackson requires lots and lots and lots of attention and oversight. Nikki had this job, gave it up, given this up. She could not find people to sit with Jackson in time. However, there was a government program that opened up that will literally come with a bus, pick Jackson up in the morning, educate him as best he can be educated, and bring him back in the evening. 
This allowed her to go back to work. She got her job again at the surgical team, a heart bypass surgical team, and was able because of that to now to buy a house on her own, live on her own, of course, and buy a house. I called her the other day, and I asked her how she was doing. And my question to her was, how do you cope with an autistic child? And though she's only in her 40s, she gave me some deep, deep wisdom. She said, Bill, you just have to embrace it. She said, this will be my life for the rest of my life. I have to accept it and embrace it for the Lord. I've had to make peace with what God has given me. My life, she said, is not going to be what I thought it was going to be. My life is going to be different, much, much different. She said, Bill, she usually calls me sweet Bill, but for your sake. No, she doesn't. But anyway, I'm hoping someday. She said, uh, Bill, I'm good with it. I embrace it for Jesus' sake. I was silent most of the conversation because I couldn't talk. With that lump in my throat, I was unable really to answer for a little while. Nikki's life will never be normal as we count normal. Every waking hour of her off time, she is taking care of Jackson. That's it. That's it. She cannot do what other people do. Go where other people go. I told Nikki as well as I told my wife, and I tell you, Nikki's my hero. She is more mature than I am. And you can say amen, it's okay. And I began to think about Paul and the passage we just read. And I began to think how the Bible actually says what Nikki said, but didn't say it the way Nikki said it. But I had never read that passage and got what Nikki told me. So I'm sharing it with you. Maybe that happened to you too. My mind reviewed the case. Uh, I began to, my mind began to go around me and think of people who were like Nikki. And I, I thought of Mr. Smith. There's only a few in this room about know who this person I'm talking. There's a lot of Smiths out there. It's not Doug Smith. But Mr. Smith used to go to Community Baptist Church, which is now Briarcliff Baptist Church. 
And Mr. Smith's wife, which was a highly intelligent woman, responsible woman, got Alzheimer's. And not long, she was unable to take care of herself and unable to dress herself, unable to wash herself, unable to wipe herself, unable to cook, unable to do the laundry, unable to help him. And he took care of her. And you know, he took care of her good for 10 years, maybe longer. Mr. Smith's my hero. Then we had one in this church. We've had a few in this church, but one of them I'm going to mention is Mr. Till. How many here will remember Mr. Till? A few more. Mr. Till, I remember meeting his wife when she first came in, and she was responsible. She was intelligent, straight up and down, intelligent woman. She was a manager of nurses. She, if I don't have my facts right, there's nobody alive to challenge me. So as I'm going to evangelistically speak about this, and said maybe John knows, and John just shut up if you do, don't say nothing. Uh, just say he's old, you know, give him a break. But uh, his wife, this was in the 80s, I'm sure. This, his wife got Alzheimer's again and lost her mind. You know, the Alzheimer's people are good. They don't know anything's wrong. It's all the people around them. So if you get Alzheimer's, don't say I don't want to get Alzheimer's. If you get Alzheimer's, it's a great way to go. It's just you take everybody with you. But she, you know, Alzheimer's people want to wander. You know, pro to, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. That's Alzheimer's. They want to get on their bicycle and take it off. We had, we had uh, Dr. Uh, yeah, Oh, yeah, well, whatever his name was, I can't hear you. But, but we, had a, we had a guy here who was a pastor for 40-some years in Kokomo, Indiana, and he came down here retired here. Maybe I'll think of his name. Maybe I won't. But I'm probably going there, you know. But he, he um, the old boy, he got on his bicycle to go down 40. Now, ride down on the edge of 41 on your bicycle. Come on. You know when you want to die, you don't. If, you, if I get on my bicycle ride at 41, the first guy by will clip me. Uh, I just hope it's not one of you. But, but the, uh, he'd get on that bike. Brother John knows this. He'd get on that bike. He'd ride down that road and ride back on that road. And half the time, they didn't know where he was. And, and finally, you know, you got to restrict somebody like that. They'll end up in Tampa. Because Alzheimer people, for some reason, they want to move. They want to move. They want to go. They want to go home. They want to go home. They want to move. And it's just, it's just part of the disease. And uh, it was, it's so hard to take care of it. So hard. But people took care of him. Eventually, when you have a tragedy come into your life, you have to make some decisions. I believe that we ought to do what Paul did, and we ought to do what Nikki did, and we ought to do what Mr. Till did, and we ought to do what Mr. Smith did, and we ought to do what the Ots did, and we ought to do what all these other people have gone through these troubles do. Embrace it. Put your arms around it. Aunt Mouse, my, my, uh, the reason they call her Mouse, her name is, I don't know what her name is, but her name is Aunt Mouse to me. 
And the, the reason they call her mouse because when she was born, she sat in the palm of her mom's hand. She was two and a half ounces or something like that. Is that possible? No, two pounds. Oh, hey, you wait till you get up here and try to do this. Two pounds, five ounces. She's still alive. I got to be careful. So she's 85 now, but they didn't think she'd live. But she had her mother lose her mind. My uh, Mama Duck. Mama Duck was my grandmother. And Mama Duck, we had nicknames for everybody. Nobody knew everybody's names. And Mama Duck, I was Duke. I don't know why, but, but Mama Duck, she, um, she, she lost her mind. And again, would want to go out of the house. And she had to lock all the doors and had to make sure you watch. But for 15, now look, a year, eh, two years, eh, 15 years, Mama Duck lived. You know why? Because people lost their mind. They ain't stressed out. And so they're happy. They're happy. They live. Their bodies function. Their blood pressure goes down. They're good. They don't worry about nothing. They lost their mind. Mama Duck about outlived her daughter, which was Aunt Mouse to me. But Aunt Mouse understood, and I've talked to Aunt Mouse on the phone. She understood the concept of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 10 about embracing it. Well, let me give you three quick points. Number one, because you're going to ask a question, preacher, how do I do that? I mean, I think that's an honest question. Well, number one, first you have to understand that whatever this tragedy is comes from God. Don't blame the devil. The devil does nothing without permission. He don't touch us, Job chapter 1 and 2. You don't touch us without getting permission from God. And so whatever happens in your life, you say, now I'm not, I'm not trust me when I tell you this, I cannot digest what I'm going to say. Because I, it, it, it just, some things just, I just don't see how could this possibly be for good. But yet the Bible says all things work to, together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. But brother and sister in Christ, some of those things are unbelievable. But you're never going to embrace it unless you accept it was, look at verse, look at verse 7 there, look at. There was given to me. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. A gift is something that's given to you. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. In some strange way, this tragedy that Paul's talking about, which was a life-changing tragedy, he considered it a gift given to him by God. How do you get your mind around that? Well, first of all, you have to have a deep trust in who God is. You have to believe, like they say in prison, God is good all the time. These are the guys in the prison. The first time I heard that was in, when the guys, I wasn't in prison, I was there visiting. And God is good all the time. The big picture will turn out, though the small picture does not. Um, that you have to understand that this world is not everything. It's not everything that counts. The world to come 
is what counts. The cause of Christ is what counts. The testimony of your faith in Christ to the world is what counts. That without it, without this trial, without this life-changing event, I could not be the kind of Christian that God wants me to be. That's the first thing you got to understand. The second thing you have to understand is go ahead and beg God to take it away. Go ahead. Go ahead and beg God to take it away. Paul was not rebuked by God when he went three times. The great apostle Paul, we're talking about the guy who, who miracle working guy. Had, had the gift of, of miracles. Uh, that goes to God three times. And you don't think he went to God like, now I lay me down to sleep, now I pray. My... No, he went to God. Fasting, prayer, sackcloth, ashes. He was serious with God. Three times I besought him. Three times. In, in honor of the Holy Trinity, maybe. And God says, what was the answer? No. You said, God, don't answer my prayers. Yes, he does. Yes, no, or wait. In Paul's time, he said, you're not even going to wait. I'm not taking it from you. I'm giving this to you because you need it. I don't want it. You need it. I don't want it. You need it. I don't want it. You need it. My mother used to buy spinach. Canned spinach. Now, I had watched Popeye enough to know that if you ate the whole can, you got these muscles, man. How many know Popeye? Raise your hand. Okay, let me, let me go back down now. How many do not know what I'm talking about Popeye? Come on, you young people. Raise your hand. You know you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. It's a cartoon. But it's this guy would eat spinach and he'd get real strong and be able to do stuff. I think that was my mom's ploy to try to get me to eat it. In verse 8, he says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it didn't depart from me. Uh, my mom used to have spinach, and she would bring it to the table. And she would say, Eat it. It's good for you. I'm not supposed to shake my head or I'd do a little bit more. But eat it or it's good for you. Eat it. It's good for you. Now, if I hadn't eaten it, about the third time she said that, then there would be something coming to me that wasn't so good to me. And, and it at least didn't feel good, but it actually was good. Actually, that was good too. And so I'd eat my spinach, cold. By that time, I let it get cold. It's nasty. I don't think there's a thing wrong when something earth-shaking, life-changing, direction-changing comes in your life to go before God. And every way you got, and all, all the power you think you have with God, give it a shot. Go for it. Go for it. Ask him to take it away. Because if he doesn't want to take it away, he's not going to take it away. If it's the best for you, it's not going to take it away. It's come to you as your friend. And then the third thing, understand that God is building something bigger in you than you. It's things, it's, it's bigger than yourself. Life's bigger than you. 
You know what I mean by that? It's not all about me. It's bigger than me. It's about the cause of Christ. It's about the world getting saved, or at least hearing the gospel, and about certain of those people getting saved. It's about eternity, life and death. Listen, we're in something way bigger than us. God forbid that we get so focused on, oh, what's happening to me? By the way, you would never, never, never choose this tragedy, this trouble to come. You'd never do it. And that's why God knows best. You ever remember, how many in here remember Father knows best? Got a few little fewer hands I got back on you on that one. That was in the 50s. Father knows best. And you know what? God knows best. Get mad at him all you want. I used to sometimes get mad at my dad. But ultimately, I knew he cared for me. And ultimately, I knew it was best. What he was doing for me was best. And brother and sister in Christ, you've got to put your mind around that. You would avoid what God has given you at all costs. But this is what it takes to make you a child of God. This is what it makes to grow your faith. It's been said sailors learn to be sailors in storms, not on calm seas. No. You haven't boated if you haven't run aground. You haven't boated if you haven't ripped your prop. In fact, you haven't boated if you haven't ripped the lower unit off. I'm going to go that far. Lift the lower unit off. We ripped two lower units off our boat one time. Both of them, 12,000 bucks. And if you haven't hit something, run over something, busted something, almost sank, you just haven't boated enough. And brother, if you've lived life so far and you haven't had something big and bad and mean come into your life, you just haven't lived quite long enough. God is going to bring something into your life that you can't squirm out of, you can't move out of, you can't pray out of, you just must embrace it. But oh, when you embrace it, you grow. Your walk with God deepens and it widens. Your quality deepens. Your testimony with other people. You say other people aren't noticing. Oh, yes, they do. Mr. Smith, I didn't know him very well. Here I am talking about him. He didn't know I was going to do this. Mr. Teal, he didn't know me. I mean, he knew me fairly well, but he had no clue that, that his life, I'd be, I use this testimony over and over again. And, and my mouse, and all these other people I've met that have gone through trouble and embraced it and trusted God for it and came out the other side by the grace of God. They didn't know they were going to be used as illustrations to help people understand the Bible, but they are. Well, nothing else in your life will help you grow like what God gives you. So you embrace it as your friend. Now here's where it gets real meaty. You thank God for it. Boy. When you come to the place where you're embracing it, and you say, thank you, Jesus. 
thank you. When you move past that to begin to praise God for it, When you begin to move past that to glory in God for it. Because it saved you from a cheap surface Christianity. And it added weight to your words. I've had to embrace a few things in my life. I've had to embrace a few things. Life-changing things. I don't want them. And if, you, if I had the choice today that they would stop, they, I'd say stop. Except, Lord, if this is what it takes to make me the kind of Christian you want me to be, thank you. Praise God for it. I glory in it. Isn't that what Paul said in them three verses? Isn't that what he said? Now, some of you, some of you haven't come. I'm preaching to people this morning in three categories. You've had this, and God delivered you from it. You're in it, and then those who are going in it. But there's almost no other category. I've been here for 38 years, going on 39 years this year, and I've seen a lot of old people come and go. I have buried over 200 folks. And I can tell you, I've seen the end of life enough to know that none of us get out of this easily. And yet, God in through and everything that's going on in your life, he's in control of it. it nothing is spinning out of control. Nothing is... The, it, does the devil have power? God has the power. And he's helping you. If you will simply like Nikki, pastor, she didn't call me pastor. Bill, I just embraced it. Father, help us this morning to be able to live with this, to be able to somehow penetrate through the darkness of all of this, of our resistance to some of the teachings of the Bible. And oh, Father, thank you for putting the instruction of Paul, really, which is the instruction of the Holy Spirit to us in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Thank you for showing his humanity so that we don't despair. Father, we pray that you would just help Nikki as I speak about her helper this morning. Help her to be what you want her to be in Christ. And Father, there's literally millions of people in hard situations, irreversible situations, unescapable situations, that they will die before they're released. We have missionaries with that. We pray, Father, that you'd help them to understand why you brought it to treat it as a friend. Help us to walk in faith. And through all that, people may get saved, may realize Christ is real, 
that we're not playing a game here. We're not doing a, a social thing here. We're living, breathing children of God. Help us, Father, to, to give this world some idea who Jesus is. There may be some in this room this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, that don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. Other than I wish you would consider allowing us to explain the gospel to you. It takes 15 minutes or less to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. It could mean the difference between all eternity. You can have your sins forgiven and washed white as snow. No matter how horrible or horror the, the past has been, Jesus Christ's blood will cleanse it. We'd love to be able to know that if you'd let us know. And Christian, may you remember these words this morning. Take courage that your Father will walk with you. The paraclete, the one who walks alongside of us, will never leave you nor forsake you. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, sing two verses. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.